So welcome back to episode 136 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about charting a path forward in combustible dust safety. As I mentioned last week, this is part two of the opening keynote for our 2021 Dust Safety Conference. So this was a presentation that I gave entitled Combustible Dust Safety, Open Challenges and Charting a Path Forward, where I talked about what are the trends that we're seeing? What are the major challenges to achieving our vision of a year with zero fatalities by 2038? And what can we do as a community? What projects are we undertaking at Dust Safety Science and in the Dust Safety Academy to start to tackle these problems moving forward? In last week's episode, I talked quite a bit about the response to dust fires and global incident reporting and how you can get involved with those at dustsafetyshare.com. In the second half of the presentation, which we will be listening to today, um, I talk about the, the latter three challenges, awareness of the hazard and risk, language and communication, and having a safe place to share information. A lot of these came from the U.S. Chemical Safety Board's recent dust hazard learning review, which I'll be talking about in the presentation. You also get some of the Q&A that we covered after the event, or after the presentation rather, talking about silos versus dust collection fires. Bucket elevators, whether or not there's a difference between inside and outside for uh, safety, and different groups that are doing incident investigation around the world. Again, you can get access to all this material at the Dust Safety Academy um, by attending the, the conference there. And you can also become a premium member there and get access, unlimited access to the over 100 training videos that we created through the Dust Safety Academy um, and complimentary ticket to the 2022 conference as well. So, hope you enjoyed today's presentation. Sit back and relax wherever you're tuning in from. And if you have any questions, you can reach me at chris at dustsafetyscience.com. I mean, you also get the show notes for this presentation at dustsafetyscience.com slash 136. So I want to close off this presentation then by going through this dust hazard learning review. We're going to talk about what it was, why it was completed, and some of the additional challenges that we've seen come out of this. The call to action was released October 24th, 2018. Um, it took the form of a survey that the Chemical Safety Board sent out to the community industries handling combustible dust and, and folks working in these industries. They received 57 responses from across 15 countries, and Dynamic Inquiry, who's run by Krista Vessel and Dr. Ivan Popoliti, collected these responses up. They had them from organizations and users, health and safety specialists, engineers, and consultants, all working in industries handling combustible dust. And the goal from the Chemical Safety Board's perspective was to get an understanding of their perspective of combustible dust hazards. They say in their, their Didion update, their factual update, that there's all these different perceptions for combustible dust. You have a worker that works at a facility or two workers that work at a facility. One may say it's the cleanest place he's ever been in, and one may say it's dusty. Another will say there was hazards everywhere, and another one will call it safe. So they wanted to put the survey in place then to understand how these perceptions of combustible dust manifest themselves in facilities and what that means for us as the broader community. Dynamic Inquiry took every response to the survey and broke it up into what they call data points. So if a response had five main points, that'd be five data points. And then they collected these into themes and categories for understanding the perceptions of combustible dust. And these actually went into then the table of contents of the dust hazard learning review. So the Dust Hazard Learning Review, um, a link to the PDF of that should be in the resources for this presentation. If you go to, again, day one of the conference, go to my presentation, scroll to the bottom, um, it'll be under the resources tab there. In terms of how we were involved, we had just started the Dust Safety Science podcast, so we had 
Shion McKenzie and Dr. Ivan Papaliti on to talk about the call to action. Um, I created this cheat sheet. We only had five minutes to respond. Here's what to do. If you had 45 minutes, here's all the questions you should fill out. And I won't, I won't say who. It wasn't Cheryl or Ivan or Krista or any of those folks um, that I mentioned here, but I talked to somebody from the CSB and said, hey, like with the, with the community we have, and we had been at you know, Dust Safety Science working at that for a year now, we have, I think I can just email people and get them to reply. Can I collect up responses and, and forward them to the CSB? And the response from that individual, and it wasn't any of them, was maybe you should just pretend you didn't tell me that and just do it anyway and see what happens. So I spent the Christmas of 2018, um, and some of you in the audience may have received these emails, emailing about 50 or 60 people across the globe um, to say, hey, you need to respond to this. We need your input. And it was funny because my, I was at my, my wife's, at my in-law's place. And my wife's parents would ask, where's Chris? And, and Kelly, my wife, would say, oh, he's, he's, down the, he's down the basement. He said he had to send an email to Jordan, like the country of Jordan or to, to Africa or, or Asia or Europe. Um, and I was sending all those responses out. So it was uh, an interesting time to, to understand, you know, to get these responses for this project. So I want to talk about three additional challenges that came out of these responses. And this is my my opinion and our opinion at Dust Safety Science from reading the report. I hadn't seen any of the responses. I forwarded them through though reading them to the chemical safety board um, in one big batch. So this is not the opinion of the report authors or the chemical safety board. This is my opinions from taking away. And this is only actually a small fraction. I covered my thoughts in the Dust Safety Science podcast episodes 106 and 107. But three additional challenges, awareness, language and communication, and having a safe place to share information. Let's talk about this first one here. And don't try to read the, the purple quote. I'll read that verbatim, but I want to put it up there. We had There was a number of responses that came in around awareness. And obviously, this is one of the first things you hear about a challenge with combustible dust. Um, but there were some really informative responses. And thank you if any of you that are listening to this podcast or, the one, or listening to this presentation or the ones that sent these in. They're very helpful. I'll read the, the one in purple here because it really encapsulates how I feel one of the biggest challenges with awareness is. Dust explosions are rare events that lull industrial organizations into a false sense of safety. While a greater recognition of these risks is present in industry than ever, before still far too many dust-related incidents occur as a result of ignorance or complacency. Because of the complex variables that must come together to enable a dust explosion, operations personnel are frequently aware that, are unaware of the true likelihood of these events, well, rare, they are frequently catastrophic when they occur. Often the original design of the equipment and safety process of operations are initially effective at least reducing the risk. However, over time, I believe a process of practical drift occurs. Practical drift was first proposed by Scott Snook in his book, Friendly Fire. He defined it as the slow uncoupling of practice from procedure. His theory is that as people operate in an environment controlled by procedures, they are constantly acting to reduce effort and improve efficiency based on real-time results. With an infrequent event such as dust explosions, this iterative process can result in many iterations before an explosion occurs, allowing the system to change dramatically before the results of these changes are made known. I believe this theory is highly applicable to the prevention of combustible dust events. So we have two main awareness challenges. Like the first foot in the door, never heard or understood that combustible dust was an issue. And as soon as that initiation is made, we start the process of normalizing risk. Because generally, nothing's going to happen the next day. Nothing's going to happen the next day. Nothing's going to happen the next day. And we might have a fire. It doesn't cause a loss. 
that accelerates this process of what this uh, this person is, is discussing is practical drift. And there's a really good quote for the engineering-minded folks. Um, Safety is a non-event. Think of it as a control loop with a much-delayed feedback signal. Then the control loop starts to drift. So every day we go without a serious issue, work as completed as opposed to work as designed will drift. And the the use of protection equipment, that sort of thing, will drift over time until some um, high-risk scenario can be formed. And that's when you get these large explosions. And then looking back, it's always like, oh, we saw all these fires happen every day, but it never seemed to be an issue. Well, <laughs> that those are all signs along the way. So there's a lot to take out of that. There's a lot to dive into. We're not going to be able to cover it all in this, this presentation, but this is one of the key areas, this awareness, keeping to reducing this normalization of risk of combustible dust that we need to do as a community. There was a big proportion of the report that talked about language and communication. And I want to highlight two of the important, well, there's many important, but two of the, the maybe the most insidious um, points here in terms of uh, combustible dust safety. So from the report, and I'm quoting, by referring simplistic to simplistically to dust on a daily basis, we may be conditioning the workforce to underestimate the importance of this hazard. So I went to one of these free images sites, Pixabay, and typed in the word dust to see what comes up. And you see like fairy dust and pixie dust and pollen. And you did actually have one fire, but um, do these look like a hazard to you? And I'll give you an example from my personal life. I have a two-year-old son. If he spills milk, if, if, he, if he spills a liquid in the house, that's like automatically an upset condition. I go into to emergency mode. I run out, I grab the paper towel, I start wiping it up. What if this gets sticky? <laughs> you know, I, I don't scold him, but thoughts may come across. Like the spilling of a liquid is automatically seen as a hazard, as an upset condition. Heaven forbid you have a release of a gas in your hose. You lose your mind, you get your family out of there. Dust, dust is everywhere. Dust is that stuff that you're, you're, you're dusting with. By using this simple term that under normal conditions is not seen as a high hazard, we may be preconditioning our workforce to not see that as a hazard. I think this is probably one of the most insidious things for combustible dust, one of the biggest challenges we have. And, and shoot, we're, we're affected by it too. We run the Dust Safety Academy. This is the Dust Safety Conference. So do we need a more assertive word for dust? We called it fuel all the time. Would we treat it differently? And there's a, there's a lot of open questions to be answered there. A, a second one, and this came from the my favorite quote from the whole report. If you are the one that sent this quote in, maybe email me and let me know. And it was, why do we use the same term to clean the bathroom as we do for major risk mitigation? Why do we use the same term to clean the bathroom as we do for major risk mitigation? So I typed the word housekeeping into Pixabay, and these are the images I came up with. Um, you know, very feminized images, uh, host cleaning chores, uh, you know, vacuums and laundry. In the report, they talk about the word hazard coming from the 14th century French word for playing a game with dice. And that uh, synonyms include apparel, risk, threat, or jeopardy. Synonyms for housekeeping, the word, include the management of household affairs, host work, host wifery domestic science, and home economy. The word housekeeping hazard couldn't be two different terms if we tried. <laughs> um, so combining this with the simplicity of the use of the word dust, 
we're preconditioning ourselves and our workforce to not see this as a hazard. Big challenge. I don't know the answers on this one. Um, I don't know the answers actually to most of these questions. That's why we have the community to work towards them. But this is another big one that's highlighted by the report. We're going to be trying to create some focus sessions with the Dust Safety Academy in 2021 to see if, hey, can we come up with some better terms for things like dust and housekeeping to feed into standards development and, and regulations to get some better idea of how to move forward with these types of terminology moving forward. So that's sort of the second. So we have the global working groups. We're also going to have these focus sessions where we get hopefully several hundred people from the global community together to start to tackle, you know, take an hour and say, okay, can we brainstorm as a large community? What are some better ways to do this? So and then the last challenge I want to mention here is just having a safe place to share information. I'm not going to read all these quotes, but I'll read the ones from the report authors. So they say that the topic of sharing information received the strongest response in the call to action with 35 recommendations suggesting the sharing of information within companies as well as across industry, regulatory, and international boundaries as being a key issue. Um, and the strongest recommendation contained within multiple responses was to create an anonymous reporting system. So that's one of the key drivers behind this dustsafetyshare.com idea and concept is to give this area where we share information anonymously, both incidents and if an incident's shared anonymously and we can't find publicly available information, we're not going to use the name of the company in that incident report. But I would really like to see near misses and safety shares and uh, you know lessons learned share within that platform as well. And we'll, we'll talk about how to do that moving forward as a community uh, with that platform. So those are the five challenges. So response to dust fires, development of a, a global incident reporting network, awareness, language and communication, and having a safe place to share information. Those are feeding right into what we're doing with these various platforms um, in 2021 and, and beyond. So the global learning and sharing platform, that is the Dust Safety Academy. There's a community forum there. We're creating resources, um, events, focusing on communication and learning. There's these two global working groups, Response to Dust Fires and the Incident Reporting Network. We want to hold these global focus sessions where we start to tackle and brainstorm. How can we address some of these things like terminology, reporting, and goal conflicts? And the main place to go to get involved with all of that is this dustsafetyshare.com. You go there today, leave me input, leave me feedback for our team on all these projects or join the project if you want, or provide input for the project to be able to direct where we're headed in 2021 and moving forward towards this goal of seeing a year with zero fatalities by 2038. And so I just want to close off, will you join us? So dustsafetyshare.com, dustsafetyacademy, which is where you're at today. These are the platforms we're going to be using to tackle these challenges moving forward. I want to say thank you again. We're really excited to have these over 220, 240 folks from 27 countries um, attending this conference, attending this event. Uh, we're, we're really excited. I appreciate you letting me the time to go through some of these high-level points. And I'm really excited to get into the technical presentations from the experts. Again, getting your questions answered for combustible dust safety. I encourage you to ask lots of questions. I encourage you to reach out to speakers. I encourage you to get active inside the community forum and the presentation pages. Um, and again, just get your questions answered and, and work towards implementing safe processes and in industries handling combustible dust. I mentioned Thomas's presentation at five o'clock Eastern today. He's doing the closing keynote on dust fires and response. Um, we have Eric Maynard coming up next, giving a really great report. I've seen the slides, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, some very specific examples of, okay, you did a dust hazard analysis. It told you everything's all wrong. <laughs> what do you do now? 
So I'm really excited for that presentation. We have that coming up at 10.15 Eastern time. So about 25 minutes from now. With that, we'll leave it at that. We have uh, 10 minutes or so for Q&A. So if you have any questions, put them in the page below or scroll down below the, the video here and put the Q, the questions in the Q&A widget. So I'm going to flip over to the Q&A. Now we have about 10 minutes, like I said, then we'll do a 15-minute break and we'll bring Eric on after that. If you have any questions about the conference that you, you want me to answer here live, put those in the Q&A at the moment. Otherwise, um, you can obviously email conference at Dust Safety Science and they'll let you um, know about that as well. So, oh, thanks, Eric. Eric said, uh, uh, great job and great start. And he's looking forward to the next presentation. We do have a comment from Debbie. We use combustible powder for that reason. So I'm not sure exactly what that's referring to, but uh, thanks, Debbie, for sending that in. We got a really good question from Jay. So any reasons uncovered why silos or elevators are more dangerous should a deflagration happen compared to collectors? This is a good question. I don't know the answer to it specifically, but if I think about the the injury modes that happen with silos um, and, and elevators, there's a couple things. So one, um, fall from heights is a big one. So if people are responding to a dust fire, which we said is a challenge, they're often on platforms, they're often not have lanyards on, and they can get knocked off. And that's actually a way that a lot of folks get injured. Also, just vicinity to the workplace. Uh, with dust collectors, at least if you're having proper signage and you know caution labels and that sort of thing, hopefully folks know that's a hazardous area uh, where you may not see the same with, you know if you're standing or working beside a conveying system or inside a bucket elevator. We do see a lot of explosions on hot work that's being done on silos and elevators, but you see the same thing for dust collectors. So I'm not sure how that would differentiate the two. But those are some of the things um, that come directly to mind. It's a good question. We'll put some more thought into it and maybe do a, a training session inside the Dust Safety Academy moving forward on what are the main injury mechanisms from silos and elevators and why are those larger? So, so really good question. Thank you for that. We have a question about what groups are currently involved in incident reporting. Yeah, this is a great question as well. Um, the Chemical Safety Board obviously is tracking large loss incidents there. And uh, I've, well, I'll, I'll answer this question and I, I got some good news as well. Um, but uh, so the Chemical Safety Board, obviously, uh, Purdue University and, and before that, Kansas State University is tra tracking agricultural dust explosions. Um, there are groups in Sweden and Japan and Asia that are tracking dust explosions. Mary Kay O'Connor Process Safety Center has tracked them in the past. Um, us, obviously, we're tracking them every day. Um, so those groups then, the, the challenge is having a common system in place, having a, a transparent system um, that can avoid bias and you know improve the information overall so that we're not doing the same work that a group in Sweden is um, that speaks Swedish to understand combustible dust. So those are the groups I'd say that are currently involved. There's probably some others as well. And if you're involved, go to dustsafetyshare.com um, and let us know on that uh, the project for the Global Working Group for Incident Reporting um, or offer to join that group if you're interested as well. And Jennifer left me a question in the Q&A or known in the Q&A. Um, Jennifer Driska, our, our marketing manager, said that we received a submission at Dust Safety Share. So thank you for sending that submission already. Um, again, dustsafetyshare.com. You want to contribute to any of these projects that we have going out through this year. Um, good question from Jeremy. 
is the root bucket elevator instant data broken into outdoor and indoor varieties? It is, it is not. Um, and that would be a really good thing to do with the data. So that's a, that's a good one to put into the instant <laughs> reporting information as well. Indoor bucket elevators obviously pose a lot of challenges. Um, they've been removed in uh, certain industries with certain regulations. Um, so that's something you want to want to be looking towards. Uh, but we have seen outdoor ones also causing loss. So it's not just the indoor ones would be my, my short answer on that. And Jeff Snowy's, Dr. Jeff Snowy's at Fike said on the silo versus um, dust collectors could be the volume, fires in silos, um, response of first responders, uh, and an elevator spreading of explosions. These all could be ways that the, the elevators come out more um, devastating than, than dust collectors. We do have a comment here about one of the challenges being you've had not have inces in the past. Thank you for that, uh, Mr. Valdez. Um, and that's okay. You said at the end of the comment there, that's exactly why we had the instant reporting print off the report. Um, and you can say, here are the, the, uh, industries that are same as yours that, um, have experienced combustible dust explosions, experienced large loss. Um, and hopefully you can say dustsafetyscience.com or dustsafetyacademy.com is the community where we can talk about that. Um, we have a couple folks saying the video is restricted. Email conference at dustsafetyscience.com and they'll get you squared away with that. The replay should be put up at uh, dustsafetyacademy.com uh, in the conference portal. I'm just taking a look here. If I go to the conference portal, day one. Okay, yeah. So if you go to my presentation, go down to the bottom. Um, the session resources are all there, including all the links, the reports I talked about in this presentation. Um, and the slides to this presentation. Same thing should be for the rest of the speakers as well. We have time for one more question. One is on where can we find more information about the United Support and Memorial for Workplace Fatalities group. So the group that I mentioned on the slide with Tammy. So if you go to USMWF, that's for United Support and Memorial for Workplace Fatalities, go to USMWF.org. You find out more about the work that they're doing supporting families that suffer loss from combustible dust incidents. Um, it's really important work. I've been talking with Tammy and, and uh, Tanya and some of the other folks there, um, and we're looking forward to, to try to support that work moving forward as well. So we'll end this presentation there. I want to say thank you for attending the first keynote. I hope you have an amazing conference experience. Uh, if you have any problems, email us uh, at conference.dustsafetyscience.com, and we will be right back here in about 15 minutes' time for Eric's presentation on um, your DHA report tells you your systems aren't working. So what do you actually do after that? Okay, so that's it for this week's podcast episode, talking about charting a path forward in combustible dust safety. Again, this was a conference presentation that I gave at the 2021 Dust Safety Conference as the opening keynote to the event on what challenges we're seeing with combustible dust safety, what kind of projects we're undertaking moving forward. We talked through the last two weeks on the podcast, why combustible dust safety is such a challenge, why it's important for not only the workers, but the communities, the families of the folks that are involved. Uh, we, we shared some stories, or I shared some stories rather in the presentation um, about that. We talked through five challenges, response to dust fires, developing a global incident reporting system, awareness of the hazard and risk, language and communication, and having a safe place to share information. We talked through our incident reporting, and we also talked through the U.S. Chemical Safety Board's dust hazard learning review that they released as well, and how that fits in with these challenges and these projects that we're tackling moving forward. I mentioned in the presentation quite a bit, dustsafetyshare.com, where you can go to get involved with the working groups 
where you can go to submit anonymous incident reporting information. And we'll add to dustsafetyshare.com that page as well as we move forward um, and develop those projects further. As I mentioned in the outset of this podcast episode, you can get access to all of the replays, over 50 presentations from the 2021 Dust Safety Conference through the Dust Safety Academy Premium Membership, and that's at dustsafetyacademy.com. We have all the conference replays that we've had. We also have all the trainings um, inside our, our online training library there. Um, it's up over 100 videos, actually well over 100 videos now, and we'll keep growing as we develop. That uh, premium membership also includes access to the 2022 conference, and there are discounts for registering multiple team members um, and for other bulk registration options as well. If you're just interested in being part of the community, you can go to dustsafetyacademy.com and sign up free. There is a community forum where there's lots of great discussion around things like how to retrofit silos, how to do fire protection in freezing cold, uh, how to avoid coal dust explosions. Uh, this was all just from the, the last week off the top of my head inside the community there. We also have a, a very large resource library of videos and downloadable reports um, and PDFs all covering combustible dust safety well as well. So again, that's at dustsafetyacademy.com. Just to close out, as always, I appreciate you listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. And I want to say thank you for everything you're doing. Industries handling combustible dust, making them safer every day and the jobs they're doing around the world. Mm-hmm.